We're in a series entitled Focus, and uh, what, a, what a time we've had as we've walked through the book of 1 Peter. We focused on our Heavenly Father in worship and realized that as we worship Him, He comes and, and dwells there. God dwells in the midst of praise and worship. And as we worship Him here on earth, His presence comes and, and invades that place. And where God is, anything good can happen. Amen. And I love it, like last Sunday, when, as we worshiped him, he just began to fill this place with his glory and began to speak to us and, and touch hearts and lives. What an amazing God he is. Amen. We focused on our forever future, realizing that this is not all there is. Now, what you can see, touch, and feel is just a slice. Amen. This isn't real compared to what's coming. Because what's coming is eternal. It's reality. Though you can't see it yet, you can't touch it yet, you can feel it at times. But there's something that's coming, heaven with Jesus, forever. And we focus our eyes not on what is temporary, but on what is eternal. We talked about focusing on following Jesus here and now. We asked the question, what would Jesus do? We want to walk in his steps. And so we want to make every decision realizing that if Jesus were here, he would do something specific. What would that be? And so I want to walk in his steps. I want to do exactly what he would do. And so we ask that question and we have this desire in our heart to focus on following Jesus in his steps. Then we talked about focusing on the family, the family at home, family at church, the, the, the family of God. And we talked a lot about honor and submission to authority and and how that flows in the kingdom of God, but it also flows in the home life. And when things are in order, things flow smoothly. Amen. And there's, there's something that happens when we submit to the authority that God has placed over us. Amen. Rebellion is stepping out from underneath the authority that God has placed over you. And when you rebel, it's, it's not a pretty sight. Apparently you've never rebelled. So you've just lived a, a great life. When I was in high school, all you high schoolers do not listen to this. Close your ears real quickly. I skipped school a lot. I had a history class that I hated the... the uh, the way the teacher taught, I couldn't hear him. I, I was deaf at that point, uh, back when I had hearing loss, which I, never mind. Anyway, <laughs> I couldn't hear the guy. He would mumble things, and, and so I just didn't go. And, and my friends, we all went to the, the pool hall and played pool and pinball. Y'all remember pinball? I used to be pretty good at pinball. I haven't done it in a while, but, but uh, 
And so, you know, I thought I was getting away with things. And, and one night about midnight or so, I was sleeping and the lights came on in my room. And my parents walked in. They said, get out of bed. We got to chat. I'm like, okay. I'm good. Yeah, we're all good, right? And we weren't good because they got the letter from the school saying your son has not been here for quite some time. <laughs> and that rebellion cost me several weeks of my life. It cost me a lot, actually, <laughs> physically and emotionally and relationally and, and privilege-wise. And there, there's a leash that you have your children on, and sometimes you have to pull that leash back. I'm not talking about a physical leash. I'm talking about rules and, and regulations. And are you with me at all? And it, nobody? Okay. And so I got the leash pulled really close to my parents and uh, we were connected at the hip for a while and they had they thought that I had gotten into some things because the smell on me was not a good smell I mean you know <laughs> when you're into some things you don't think anybody else can smell it because it's so natural to you and somebody else walks in who's never been around that, and they're like, what in the world is that? Now, I know what that is, and you've been into it, so you know what I'm talking about on many different levels. There are some smells, and you need to smell like Jesus. You need to have the aroma of Jesus Christ in your life. So we talked about authority. I don't know why I went there. I, my goodness. I haven't even started yet. So, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 22. Now Christ has gone to heaven. He is seated in the place of honor next to God. He came under the authority of his heavenly Father, and so he was seated in the place of honor next to God. And all the angels and authorities and powers accept his authority. Because Jesus Christ placed himself under authority. You don't have authority unless you place yourself under authority. But when you place yourself under authority, you have the authority that flows from the top down. And Jesus Christ placed himself under the, the authority of his father. And he won the victory. And he persevered through everything so he could take the throne as king of kings and lord of lords. And all the angels, all the demons, all the authorities, all the powers, they know he's in charge and they bow to his name. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. And the great thing is we get to do that now. We don't have to wait until we get into the presence of Jesus. We can declare him King of kings and Lord of lords right now. We can submit to his authority now. And when we do, it places us in a new realm, able to do things we've never been able to do before. I told you Tim Keller says most people want Jesus as a consultant rather than a king. But I choose Jesus as my king now. And you can do the same thing before you walk from this place today. Choose Jesus Christ as your king, as your Lord. He is on the throne. 
when we place ourselves under his authority and under the authority that he places over us, it gives us the ability to handle whatever comes our way in our family, in every human relationship, every situation, every trial that comes our way. And, and as long as we do things his way, he gives us that strength. And so we got to focus. And today I want to move into 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to focus on some other things today. It was interesting to me last week, if you were here, um, what a powerful time as, as many shared their testimony of what God has done in their life. And most of them shared out of their pain. Pain preaches. And it was interesting to me knowing what 1 Peter chapter 4 entailed. I watched as you began to preach the message that was in 1 Peter chapter 4. I watched as the Holy Spirit began to move on hearts. And I want to just reiterate what was shared last week. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 1, So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had. Look at your neighbor and say, arm yourself with an attitude. Some of you, that's all you need to hear today. And not a cocky attitude, but an attitude that comes from the spirit of Jesus. The attitude that understands that he is king of kings and lord of lords no matter what you go through. Because Christ suffered, but it was for a reason. Christ suffered so that we might have life everlasting. And if you'll arm yourself with the same attitude he had and realize that this, whatever I'm going through is temporary. Amen. It's not eternal. I'm not going to have this issue in heaven. Okay? Not going to have this pain. Not going to have these trials. Not going to have these issues. Not going to have this disease. In heaven, this is temporary. And that's eternal. So I've got to arm myself. I've got to turn the alarm on. Arm myself with the same attitude he had. Jesus Christ, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. He endured the cross. He despised the shame. But he's now sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Okay? The suffering, the pain was temporary. But the glory is eternal. And he says, so then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had and, we want to cut this part out, and be ready to suffer too. Now you'll remember who Peter's writing to, the, the church that 
They're being burned at the stake, being killed, murdered, eaten alive by wild animals. And, and this is the, the context. And he said, Jesus Christ suffered pain. You got to have the same attitude. Arm yourself with the same attitude. And be ready to suffer too. Because if you're not ready to suffer too, you're going to get your mind all messed up. And see, this, I, I believe this is one of the, the fallacies of the church in America. Is that we think we shouldn't suffer. We think we should just go through life scot-free, no problem. And Jesus did it all, so hey, it's, it's over, you know. And the reality is we're going to face some things in this life because this is a broken world. And it's getting broke more and more every day. And so Peter says, look, be ready to suffer too. For if, you've, if you've suffered physically for Christ, you've finished with sin. You're, you've got a mindset now that says, you know what? I don't need that, that lifestyle any longer. I'm, I, I was watching yesterday a video that, that Christie's cousin made. Um, his name's Tommy Colonnan. He's known as a rapper, Urban D. Uh, some of you may, may have heard of him if you're into rap music at all. But he has a, a hip-hop church down in Tampa, Florida. Tommy's dad had an aneurysm many years ago, and he died. They brought him back to life three or four times, I believe. I remember the phone call that night and as we prayed. And, and he came back and lived for 16 years without any functioning ability. And it's one of those things where you ask yourself the question, why? We don't understand. There, we went to visit him in, in Georgia on one of our trips through in the, the, the hospice place where he stayed. And, and uh, you walk away saying, God, I don't understand. He died this year. And um, then Tommy's mother died. She had cancer for three years. They believed for a miracle. She was an amazing woman of God. She stuck by her husband's side all those 16 years. And then this year she lost her battle with cancer. And they were both ministers they pastored a church here in Philadelphia many years. And there's some things you just don't understand. Within eight months' time, Tommy lost both his dad and his mom. And just this week, he came out with a new clothing line called Eternal. Because he said... There's some things you don't understand, but you got to realize that this is temporary, but that's eternal. And he's not got an aneurysm in heaven. He's fully functioning. His dad, Paul Colonnan, is fully functioning in heaven. His mom, Betty Colonnan, is fully functioning in heaven. There's no cancer there. 
and what they preach their entire life, they're living today because that's eternal. This is temporary. And sometimes we've got to arm ourselves with the same attitude as Christ, realizing this is temporary, but that's eternal, and that's what I'm living for. And if I lose everything, what have I lost? Temporary stuff. If this body decays, it's temporary. As soon as you come out of the womb, you're starting to die. It's what's called aging. Because you're growing old, you're aging to the point where you will die someday. It's an appointment you have. It is appointed unto man once to die. After that, the judgment, which is eternal. So what you do with this little slice here matters. Amen. And Peter says, look, you, you got to be ready. Verse 2, he says, you won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. And you have had enough in the past. Anybody had enough of the old junk of your life? He said, you have had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy. Their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties, and their terrible worship of idols. And you could kind of lump everybody into that thing right there. Everybody who's not giving their heart to the Lord and, and had a transformation, they're living for immorality and lust. Feasting, drunkenness, wild parties, and worshiping idols. What's an idol? Well, it's anything that takes God's place. It could be your car. It could be your spouse. It could be your job. I know most of you don't worship your job. But it, it, you could name anything. Worshiping something other than the one who deserves our worship. He goes on and he says, of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So they slander you. Like, dude, what, why? Why aren't you living, why aren't you hanging out with us anymore? And there's that, that pressure, what we call peer pressure. When your friends want you to do things you know you aren't supposed to do and they try to lean you in that direction, pull you, shame you into thinking, yeah, maybe, maybe it's not that bad a deal. Maybe I'll just go ahead and go along with the crowd. I was reading in Mark this week in my one-year reading and uh, reminded me once again, Pilate wanting to satisfy the crowd went against everything he believed just because he was pressured. And he gave in to it. He just wanted to satisfy everybody around him. And I also read in, in Galatians this week where Paul said, obviously, I'm not trying to please men. Because if I were trying to please men, I wouldn't be the servant of Christ. Amen. Obviously. And I think you and I need to be like Paul and be obviously not trying to please men. Just nudge your neighbor and say, hey, wake up. He's talking to you today. <laughs> Obviously. 
not trying to please men. And so he says, they try to slander you, they try to pressure you. But remember, here's what I want us to focus on today. One of the things, I want us to focus on our lost friends. Remember that they will have to face God. Who stands ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead. That's why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. So although they were destined to die like all people, they now live forever with God in the spirit. He says, focus. You got some friends. You got some family members that are, they're going to face God. They will have to face God. Every one of us must face God someday and give an account for what we've done with Jesus and how we've lived our lives. That's a sobering thought. Makes me want to cry too. I'm serious. There, there are moments where it, it shivers me to think I'm standing before God and must give an account. How am I doing? And what about my friends? Verse 7, he says, the end of the world is coming soon. I don't think that's going to surprise anybody right now. But the end of the world is coming soon. Focus. Focus because there are those who are lost and dying without Jesus. And we have the answer. So he says, the end of the world is coming soon. And, and I know this is kind of a heavy message today. But, but he says, therefore, knowing this. You, you know, when you read the word therefore, you've got to ask, what's it there for? because it's a transition word, knowing that the end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, here's what you do. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. You see, as we, as we love one another, if, if I love you, I will care about your soul. Amen. That's why Paul the Apostle told the Galatian people, he said, look, obviously I'm not trying to please you guys. I'm telling you the truth. Because the truth is where it's at. The truth will save you. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Amen. And if I was trying to please you, then I wouldn't be telling you the truth. I'd be just like, oh, you're okay. It's everything okay. You're fine. You're fine. You're okay. You're okay. Be blessed. Have a great week. He's like, no, no, th this is serious business. You're going to stand before God. There's judgment coming, and you got to be ready for that. You need to have said yes to Jesus, put him on the throne of your life, and allow him to minister life through you to somebody else. Think about your friends who will have to face God. Then he goes on in verse 9, he says, cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Interesting. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Every one of us has a gift that God's given to us. Your gift doesn't look like mine, mine doesn't look like yours. I can't function in your gifting, you can't function in mine. But the reality is we've all got a gift and God has given each of us a variety of gifts 
and he's given us the ability to use his gifts well. He says, from his great variety of spiritual gifts, use them well to serve one another. Use your gifts to to minister to somebody. Use your gifts. Are are you using the gifts God has given you? Or are you hiding them? Not bringing them out? He says, use your gifts well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Don't do it in your own strength. Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Then verse 12, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. There's something about suffering that we don't understand. It links us up to Jesus Christ. And he's not talking about suffering in the way that is because we've done something wrong. How many of you know if you get a ticket for speeding, you deserve that ticket? I mean, if you're breaking the law, you deserve what you're getting. He's talking about a different kind of suffering here. Be very glad. These trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so you'll have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. If you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed, for the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, prying into other people's affairs. Come on. You need to keep your nose in your own business. But it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. In fact, praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. For the time has come for judgment. Remember your friends. And it must begin with God's household. And if judgment begins with us, what terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news? And also, if the righteous are barely saved, what will happen to godless sinners? Focus. Focus on your friends who are lost. Then the last verse of chapter 4. So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right. And somebody underline this. Trust your lives to the God who created you. He will never fail you. And I know it's easy at times in the midst of suffering, thinking, it's easy to think, God's failing me. God's letting me down. He should have rescued me from this. 
And yet, what would have happened had he rescued Jesus before the cross? We all would have missed out on a free gift of salvation. And so he says, keep on doing what is right. Trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. Louis Giglio says our faith actually thrives best in discomfort. We don't usually choose discomfort and that's why God chooses it for us. Because he knows that our faith grows and matures in the difficulties of life. You've heard it said and it's true, the colder the winter in Florida, the sweeter the oranges. There's something that happens in the midst of, of suffering that brings sweetness out of us. And the reality is the Lord may be pruning your life to bring you to greater fruitfulness. He may be using discomfort, pain, suffering to create something in you that will bring more lasting fruit. This is where we've got to trust God. And know that he is working all things together for our good. He will never fail us. And he wants the best for us. Reading in John chapter 15 where Jesus said, I'm the true grapevine. And my father's the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. I told you this before. When I got married 36 years ago, Christy loves plants. My family didn't do plants. She had plants in our house. These uh, corn-like things. They came out like that. Remember those things you first, big old pots and got, and, and I remember her, her walking up to the plant with scissors and I'm like, what are you doing? She said, I'm getting ready to prune it. And, Whoa. And she walks up and she starts snipping, cutting off stuff. I'm like, what in the world are you doing? You're going to kill the thing. She said, no, no, no. This is dead stuff. It's, it's got to go. I said, no, you, you, you're killing the thing. Look, look, it's dying. It's, it's going, eh, stop it, stop it. <laughs> and to my surprise, that plant came alive after a while. Here's what we know. Parasites and diseases will more readily attack a tree that is under stress. And when the tree is not pruned, it still uses energy trying to send nutrients to something that's already dead. And what that results in is smaller and sometimes bitter fruit. Pruning helps to keep the tree healthy and free of disease. It doesn't look pretty to have to cut it down but it's necessary for the growth of the plant. Yeah. 
Proper watering, feeding, and exposure to sunlight produce optimum conditions that will bring forth the kind of fruit we desire. And sometimes in our lives, to maintain our spiritual health, there are areas that have to be done away with. Take you back to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 3. You have had enough of immorality and lust, feasting, drunkenness, wild parties, and the terrible worship of idols. There's some stuff that's got to be cut off. There are dead branches that stifle our spiritual growth and affect the quality of the fruit that we bear. And it's time for us to focus not just on our lost friends, but to focus on the fruit of our lives. What am I producing? What kind of love am I showing? What kind of fruit is coming out that's going to, to bring life to somebody else? See, there's some, some dead stuff that needs to be cut off. And I can't tell you what that is in your life, but you know what it is. Because the Holy Spirit knocks on your door every once in a while and says, hey, what about that? How about getting rid of that? Let me have that. Why are you still doing that? Why are you still going there? Why are you hanging out with them? Why? Why? And you kind of just push them away and say, yeah, 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 yeah. But he's trying to get your attention so he can prune some things so you can have some real growth in your life. I think sometimes we, we begin to learn how mature we are by the things that upset us. Because some of us get upset at the stupidest stuff. I mean, I'm just being real. And we finally realize, I hope, that that's immature. That doesn't matter. A hill of beans. Like my mama would say. I ain't going to amount to a hill of beans. Like I've never seen a hill of beans. Exactly. Because they all fall down. And God wants to prune our lives, but he doesn't force himself on us. See, these, there are things that sap our spiritual energy, leave us open to the attacks of the enemy. And remember, he's out to kill, steal, and destroy from you. Amen. He's out to take everything from you, everything about your life, your hopes, your dreams. He wants to cut it all out. He wants to destroy you and send you packing. We've got to ask the Holy Spirit to shine his light in the dark areas of our lives. It'll begin the first step toward pruning our lives. Not only do you need to be pruned, but you got to be fed. You got to feed yourself. You need some fertilizer in your life. You need some nutrients. Okay? You need some sunlight. You need to delve into the Word of God on a daily basis. It's the Word of God that feeds your soul. So you can have deep roots sunk down so that no storm of life can destroy you and pull you out. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in every season. No withering leaf here. Planted deep. So we ask 
Our, we, we place ourselves in the place where God can feed us from his word on a daily basis. God's the gardener. And it may be pruneful, uh, painful to be pruned. <laughs> it may be painful to be pruneful. <laughs> but if you'll allow him to do his will in you, you'll begin to produce fruit of the best quality. Psalm 139, verse 23, it's a bold prayer. It's an audacious prayer, and I believe it's one that each of us need to pray. Search me, O God. And know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts, because this is kind of scary. And see, Lord, if there is any offensive way in me, and then lead me in the way everlasting. The New American Standard Bible says it like this, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way because there is an everlasting way that leads to life. And you want to be on that way. Sometimes we embrace things that hurt us. And the psalmist says, Lord, shine the spotlight on me. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. See if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me in the right way, the everlasting way. And I pray today that before we walk from this place that you'll pray that prayer with me and mean it. One evening, Chad walked into a fast food chicken place and he, he bought a nine-piece bucket of chicken, took his meal to the park for a romantic picnic under the moonlight with Carla. Upon reaching into the container of chicken, however, Chad received a surprise. Instead of chicken, he discovered what was apparently the restaurant's night deposit, $9,000. Chad brought the money in the bucket back and he asked for his chicken in exchange for the money. Well, the manager, in awe of the man's honesty, he, he asked for his name and told him he wanted to call the newspaper, the local news station. Chad would become a local hero, an example of integrity and morality that would inspire others. And Chad shrugged it off. He said, hey, my date's waiting. I just want my chicken. No publicity, please. Well, the manager's amazement over Chad's humility almost overwhelmed him. He begged him again to be allowed to tell the story on the news. And at this, Chad actually became angry with the manager, and he demanded his chicken. I just want my chicken. The manager says, I don't get it. You're an honest man in a dishonest world. This is a perfect opportunity to show there are people still willing to take a stand for what's right. Please give me your name and the name of the woman in the car. Is, that's your wife, right? He said, that's the problem. My wife's at home. The woman in the car is my girlfriend. Just give me my chicken so I can get out of here. And the reality is we can look pretty good to everybody else. Everybody looking in goes, whoa, you are a man of integrity. You are, wow, what an amazing person you are. 
And yet if we just simply pray the prayer, Lord, search me, know my heart, because the heart is where the issues of life are. We can cover up pretty good out here. I mean, most of you got a bath today. You showered. You're looking pretty good. You're smelling all right. But that really does, that's temporary stuff. What's going on inside here is eternal. And it's the eternal that matters most. And I wonder if we would all just stand this morning and say, search me, O God. Because I can fool everybody, but I can't fool God. Search me, O God. Lead me in the everlasting way. See if there's any hurtful way in me. See if there's any sin in me. See if there's any offensive way in me. And lead me in the everlasting way. Lord, I want to spend eternity with you. And Lord, I've got friends that need you before it's too late. I need you to help me with the fruit of my life. I want more fruit. I want better fruit. I want to be more fruitful. Help me, Lord, as I move forward in your strength and power. I'm going to trust you, Lord, because I know you will never fail me. And I wonder if we would just this morning just lift our hands and surrender to him. Nobody forcing you to do that, but if you want to, just surrender. Say, search me, O God. And Lord, whatever you put a spotlight on, clean me up. Cut away the junk. Cut away the dead stuff. Cut away the stuff that's sapping the strength from my spiritual life. Cut it all away, Lord. Search us, O God. Search us, O God. This is just between you and him. Let him minister to you right now. Let him shine a spotlight. Let him cut away some dead stuff. Let him do his work. Search me, oh God. Search me, O oh God. Lead me in your everlasting way. Lead me in your everlasting way. I can't take care of it myself, Lord. Got to have you. So that's why I surrender all to you, Jesus. I give you all of me. Yes, I do.
Lord, do a deep work in our hearts today. A deep work, Lord. Reach down in our spirits. I say yes to you. I say yes to you, Lord.